Let's do it. What is going on, Stars fans? Welcome back to another edition of Lincoln's of Thunderstruck, your unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. Gene, it's been a while since we've done this, and I just blew the intro. Uh, no surprise there. Uh, after taking a couple of weeks off, uh, I was getting slammed at work, and uh, we almost didn't do one at night because I, I understand you're on special assignment scouting some underground talent down in, what, San Antonio? Is that where you're at now? I am in San Antonio, yep. It's been a while since we did this, like, not being in the same studio someplace. Yeah, uh, it's been a while since I've done a podcast period. So anyways, what are you doing down in San Antonio? Well, you heard me talk about my oldest son several times this year, or my youngest son. I'm actually following my oldest son, who's shooting in the National Collegiate Sporting Clays National Championships this weekend. Not this weekend, this all week here in San Antonio. So there's uh, I had to text Sambuco earlier today because we took a picture with the Vermont shooting team and um, I had to tell them that we had him out shooting a few times, and so they better be careful because in addition to playing hockey, uh, he might be coming to join the team. And they, of course, said that they're glad he's coming because they need more good hockey players. Definitely. Uh, shooting clays, as, as far as I understand it, what a clay is, what a little four-inch circular disc, and how the heck do you hit one of those? I mean, I could probably not hit one you know, when it's standing you know, 10 feet in front of me yet. They're slinging these things out there, you know, a couple hundred yards. How the heck does he hit one of these? Well, I, you know what? It is certainly something that takes a, a little bit of skill. I'll guarantee you could hit them. But, you know, what they do here is they shoot six different six different um, disciplines. They scoot, shoot skeet, which is one target coming out high from the left, another one coming out low from the right, and you got to shoot that in a myriad, myriad of ways. Uh, they shoot trap shooting, which is basically everything just shoots out in front of you, but sometimes it goes left, sometimes it goes straight, sometimes it goes right. And then they shoot something which has become kind of my personal favorite, something called sporting clays or super sport, which replicates like a rabbit running across the ground or a covey of quail flushing, ducks flying in, pheasants flying in. So I'll have to get you out sometime, BA, because it's actually really fun. You know, uh, little known fact, I have never shot a gun in my entire life. Well, that's uh, even uh, more the other than a BB reason. gun, and I don't classify those as a as a gun. But you know, anything with any sort of power, I've never fired a firearm in my entire life. A Nerf gun, you know, paintball gun, something like that. I don't count but those. We'll get, <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get we'll get you out there sometime because uh, Books had not shot. I don't think a shotgun before we took him out to my brother's house on Thanksgiving, and my brother had, lives out in the country and has a little has his own little rock thrower and caught on pretty well. You know, I, I did grow up in the town that used to host. I don't know what they still do, but they hosted the uh, the uh, the state tournament here, high school state tournament, Donovan, Nebraska. That's where I grew up. Yeah, they absolutely do. And every April, early May, something like that, thousands and thousands of people descend upon Donovan for the Nebraska State uh, sh- uh, Shooting Championships. It's quite the it's quite the deal. It's quite the event. It is. I remember as a little kid, always hearing you could always hear the echoes of the uh, of the rifles from my house. So the first time I heard, I'm I like, would, "What the heck is going on?" And you know, my grandparents told me, "Oh yeah, they got a little state tournament over here." 
Yeah. I will tell you that uh, the first time I went, I was worried like crazy because how the heck do you put thousands of high school kids, boys, girls with shotguns in their hands? And uh, boy, I tell you what, the, uh, the gun safety that is shown out there, that's why they always say not to get political on here. But, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people because if you're operating your firearm safely, um, not not terrible much to worry about there. Yeah, but it, once you start. It's the idiots with the firearms that kill people. That's fact. That's fact. Speaking of killing people, that's exactly what we did on a Friday, Saturday night versus the Omaha Lancers. How about that segue right there? Dude, how about how was how good was that? That was old school Lincoln Omaha hockey right there. I'm not sure what broke loose, but I will tell you that yeah, it was the first time I've been back in the box since whew, I don't know. Early. I think it, they were just welcoming them back hotter right there. That could be. You're going to play the theme song here. Welcome back. I don't have it, but yeah, we could. I could throw it in there. You don't have it. I was talking to Arrigo, the, the ref, throughout the game. He was the whole time saying, dude, this just feels like something's about to break loose. And I was like, well, you know, it is Lincoln Omaha hockey. And uh, I, I want to tell you right now, B.A., I honest to God believe, and I had somebody text me, a friend of mine text me about the podcast Karma. The last time we did do a podcast, I don't know if you remember how you labeled it or what our topic uh, would come. That we were too soft um, is what I, I titled you, it as. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know. Um, that's exactly where I was going with it. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but I can tell you that I've only seen one of the last four games in person, but I watched the other three on TV and I feel like whether it was Des Moines, whether it was Sue or no, both games against Omaha, um, last three games, probably, I really feel like we upped our gritty. We, we, put the physical back in it and you know the other night against omaha first period was really good you could just feel it coming second period was kind of sleepy uh but then the third period lincoln omaha old school hockey broke loose and boy was that fun to watch yeah definitely we but we've harped it on all season long that when we play that gritty style we are a successful hockey team and it's shown right now, you know, a 4-0 uh, win streak right or yeah 4-0-0-0 in our last as our win streak right now we're what 5-4 and one in our last 10. Uh, once we started getting that physicality back, we started putting points on the board and uh, starting good things started to happen. Oh, for sure. I, you know, and we're all of a sudden um, only four points out of second place. Waterloo uh, in the West with, we have two more home games with them coming up here real soon. So, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about, geez, woe, despair, and agony on me. We better just shoot for fourth place. And all of a sudden we're five points ahead of Tri-City. They still do, for some reason, have two games in hand in almost everybody in the Western Conference. I don't know if they yeah, took I'm a not, nap. I'm not sure, that, I'm not sure what's going on there. Yeah, no clue there. With uh, They got 49 games played and everybody else has at least 50. So, Yeah, so Sioux Falls checking in at 52. Des Moines and Omaha 50 and everybody else at 51. Yeah. So who knows? Even even if they win both of those, um, they're still a point behind us in fourth in fourth place. So I don't know. I guess I would still rather jump up to second than fall to fourth so that we can deal with Fargo. But I don't know if you watched any of that Fargo Waterloo series. They had a three gamer Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh my God, that was some Waterloo. Thursday night. Waterloo is the really, team I'm worried. Waterloo is the team I'm worried about after watching that series. 
Yeah, yeah. And they were, although, you know, what, uh, Fargo beat them in a shootout on Friday night, Thursday night. Didn't, I, you know, it was, it was a close game, good game on Friday night, but Saturday, oh my God, Waterloo just took him out behind the woodshed and freaking clubbed him upside the head. It was crazy. That they did, I believe, was like a 7-1 loss and gave the uh, the or Fargo's goaltender his first loss in regulation in the season. So, Yeah, Mar- Marinov. Yeah. I still say, you know, we just, for whatever reason, seem to match up better. But uh, at the same time, if we go out and play – if we go out and play the way we played the last three or four games, um, I, I, we're just we're just a completely better team when we're playing physical, and we got that physicality from all over the place the other day. Um, you know, yes, it was Sambuco doing whatever it was he did. Uh, we won't talk about that out loud. But then Yavash. What well, is with linesmen's break? Would you, I mean, as a linesman, I would not get in the way of Yavash to want to throw some haymakers like that. First of all, what is with linesmen's breaking up fights? Well, I don't know. Did you see, did you watch that replay? I mean, Paul came from skating from clear across the ice to try to tackle Yavash and Yavash put a little hipper dipper on him and avoided him. And he went down. And meanwhile, I think Willie was over there looking at it going, do we really have to break this? It was kind of like the flurry yeah, um, I mean, same, yeah, the same deal in the NHL is like linesmen do not break up these fights. And then they get they get a game for abusive officials. And boy, I tell you what, when I saw Yavash throwing haymakers, he abused the, the, he abused the official for sure right there. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking, oh, my God, that's that could not be good. What do you say? He's now in the top five in the league in pins. Uh, I believe so. He is what in third place right behind. uh Levens is actually destroying everybody in penalty minutes right now with 159. Uh, Omaha's Will Diamond, who was a non-factor up up on this past weekend uh, versus us up there. I figured Diamond would try to get his his uh, name in the mix a little bit, being the kind of player that he is. But I didn't even notice him out on the ice half the time. Well, there was there was uh, I you know you're right, except that if you really paid attention to him, I had a couple people say that he was skating around. He was looking for it. And he and DJ. Yeah. He and DJ went, got into it a little bit during that, the Yavash uh, and, uh, Picozzi. Yeah. That's it. And my understanding was, is that he'd been kind of trying to mix things up the entire game too. So, um, yeah. So Yavash, I don't know. It was interesting after books scored his goal there. Um, what a goal for books on his hundredth game, by the way. No doubt. What a what a memorable hundredth game. Too bad he didn't get the the assist and get the Gordy. But uh, yeah, within two minutes he scores the goal, and then gets uh, a five and a ten for. I won't tell you what his mom texted, but so he gets sent off the ice on his hundredth game with a with a with a fight against a former teammate, Adam Cardona. They played together at Waterloo last year, uh, and the goal. But um, God, where was I going with that? Oh, there was a lot of people. A lot of people who I think were hoping that we were going to finish the night with. What kind of activity do you suppose would have put that game over the top the other night, BA? I don't know. A little goalie fight would have been nice. I, I know I was, get, I was giving, giving Massey a little a bit of our time. Like, what are you thinking there, dude? You know, you had a perfect opportunity. The way Posh was playing all night long, man, he... You know, Lincoln put up the put up the win on the thing, but I believe Posh was the star of the show the whole, entire night as his antics in the uh, in the crease uh, be, okay. led him to become and public enemy number one of the ice box. I don't, I don't get at all 
So, you know, he and Yavash had their little dust up in the corner midway through the, the second period. They, they got matching minors for roughing. And then when whatever was going on to end the first period, Posh skates the length of the ice, gets in Yavash's face, pushes him three times, and somehow Yavash gets a two and a ten and Posh gets a two. What the? Yeah, I, 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 do not, I do not get that at all. I mean, no clue there. I do know from talking to a couple people that Yavash and Posh have a uh, little bit of history from when Yavash was in uh, in Fargo, so that could have led, uh, led over to his time here in Lincoln. So who really knows? Yeah. One Inter- of my favorite international things- warfare is what I was looking at. There we go. Well, you know, I was I was telling guys in the box the other day that they had to go out and chirp Omaha and ch- chirp pa- Posh because, you know, he's been with them for two years, yet he's wearing his Swiss gold pads and go out and ask him what that's all about. Even he's so embarrassed of playing for Omaha, he's got to fly a Switzerland stuff instead of his or, Omaha land stuff. Maybe Omaha can afford some new pads for him either. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, who knows? But like I said, he's been there for two years. You'd certainly think they'd have some orange and black instead of – they needed some first aid after the other day. What are we, 7-1, I think, against Omaha in the year? I believe so. Yeah, something like that. I mean, we definitely dominated the season series with the with the Lancers up there. Yeah, I think that and we still have one or two games left with them. So uh, we'll just have to work Whitey and Massey. Maybe we, can, maybe we can activate Jacob Morgan for a game or something like that, and his whole job is to, is to go face off with Posh at center ice or something. I don't know. I think I think Massey would have took him, honestly. Well, I do too. I do too. I just, you know, last thing we need. I don't know. I don't even know what the rules are anymore. If they stand back there, because it's probably like it a ten was, game suspension, knowing how how, how the league is. And the last thing we need to do is, I think, I think Lucas moved to three and zero against Omaha in the year. Maybe it was four and zero, something like that. But speaking of which, we're completely overlooking Friday night in Des Moines. Uh, Whitey gets his fourth shutout of of the year that night. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think uh, that's this year we have more shutouts as as a team than we did in the last couple of years put together. So uh, it's very very interesting, isn't it? It is. Uh, goaltending has definitely uh, been a, a bright side of the season, and the defense in front of them. Defense in front of them. At times, you know, we criticize them a little bit. How much are they actually playing defense when we notice all our D-man up playing forward a little bit, but uh, they're definitely uh, getting in the way of shots and helping out our goaltending. Yeah, I think that that's something that maybe was missing a little bit last year because did you see what uh, last year, what who's Whitey's goaltending partner, what he did over the weekend? Uh, he's been dominating over the, over the, not just this last weekend, but this entire year up there in CC. Yeah, not only, I mean, he's got like three goaltender of the weeks. He was all conference, but he freaking shut out defending national champion DU, like threw them out of the, out of their conference tournament the other day, gave CC a fighting chance to, to punch their ticket to the big dance. They fell short in the championship game um, on Saturday night, but man, he blanked, he blanked that potent DU hockey team. Yeah, definitely. So, hey, why don't we take a quick break? And I promised our guest we'd get him on here shortly, and we can uh, we can talk. We're going to interview. Been a long time coming. I think the last time we talked to him was during uh, summer camp, like tryout camp, main camp, back in the summer. And uh, so we're going to visit with Jack Larrigan coming up here shortly.
Yeah, sounds good. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Makar. Makar. He scores! Gensel. The goalie scores! Jake Gensel. All were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college. College hockey. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really that's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms president Andrew Goldman. It went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that added. (laughs) I want that added. shaking your head now for i'm agreeing with you because oh. he has absolutely killed us this year well so far finger guns has meant sam shut up so yeah that's that's not helping i'm trying to process okay check out the dump and chase podcast every wednesday on western reserve radio youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts listen that like was frightening <laughs> all right star fans it's that time of the night again where we interview your one of your favorite Lincoln stars tonight. Joining us is forward number sixteen, Jack Larrigan. Larry, how's it going this evening, sir? Going great, going great. Having a good night. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, Absolutely. you know, Gina. Uh, you know, you mentioned one of our favorite Lincoln stars. Uh, we've had requests by uh, a couple people to get Larry on recently, so it's it's good to have Larry on. Well, we've yeah, had that's that's awesome. Love to hear that. I know that Larry, we've uh, we've requested several times, and you've always been busy. Either you're on either on the coaches show, or yeah, we're doing community service, or hanging out with your billet, something like that. So it's been a long time coming, but we're certainly glad to have you. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely been um, a little busy this season, but um, you know, it's great to finally come on and you know, chat with you guys. So let's just talk a little bit about your path to Lincoln. Um, you played, I think it was 41 games with. The Phantoms a couple years ago. You came to Lake here. You had a little bit of a drink of water at the beginning of the year. Um, Went to Janesville. And I don't just talk a little bit about that because I've certainly made some observations. I think we talked about that when we saw you at at main camp back last summer. Just the, the difference that we saw in you as a hockey player from the one who played those 17 games to the post Janesville. Jack Larrigan, what what was your take on that whole move going to the Null after having been in the USHL for basically the equivalent of a full season? Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, you know, obviously I came into the league um, pretty young. I was 16 um, and I was playing for Youngstown. And um, it was kind of a weird year, that COVID year right after when that all hit. Um, so it was a shortened season. And, um, you know, I definitely – it was definitely a step up from when I was playing. I was playing U15 hockey before. And, you know, like going into the league as, you know, a 16 year old, it can be hard. And, you know, I had my struggles that year. Um, and then, you know, I ended up getting traded to Lincoln over the summer and um, talked to Rocky over the phone, was really, really hyped about coming, um, coming to Lincoln. And then, um, you know, got there, started off um, playing pretty well, but just wasn't really seeing much on the, on the point production side. And, um, you know, I think that was something that kind of just, you know, it was nagging at me a little bit that, you know, I got to get on the board, but, um, you know, me and my, my family, um, 
you know, and, and Rocky too, it was a mutual decision that, you know, I think it would be best for me at that point in my career to, you know, maybe take a step down and go to the null for a while and, you know, kind of get some of that confidence back and some of that swagger back and, um, you know, just really come back and be refreshed and find my game again, you know, for the next season. And yeah, I had a huge summer, uh, put on some weight, uh, really worked on a lot of my skills and, you know, coming into this year, I've been feeling great and, you know, it's been, we had a pretty good start to the year and having, you know, a pretty good year so far. So we still got a few games left in the second half and, you know, we're looking into playoffs. So, um, so far it's been great. And I'm just, you know, really excited about the last half here for sure. Now, how big of a difference is the, uh, the, the competition in the, in the null versus the USHL? We always, you know, kind of look at as the NAS kind of a feeder series into the uh, USHL, but is there a real big difference in the competition and skill level there? Um, you know, like going in, when I went to the Null last year, I didn't really know what to, what to expect. I, you know, kind of the same with you. I always kind of viewed it as, you know, a, a, a pretty far level down, but to be honest, when I got there, like I didn't really notice that much difference. Um, I think maybe there's a little bit of a skill drop off, um, when you get to the Null, but I mean, the intensity, the, the speed is still, you know, really fast and, um, you know, and guys are physical. So it's, you know, it's, a really close, um, you know, close league comparison to the USHL. It's definitely still a tough league. And, um, and, you know, when I got there, I wasn't, you know, doing, doing well right away. I still had to earn my, earn my stripes and, um, you know, come in and, and do well. Didn't, you know, want to take anything for granted. And, um, you know, it's definitely a huge learning curve for me there going down. I was really glad I went down and, um, you know, kind of got some of that confidence back. I think that was huge for me in my career. Jack, isn't the Null generally thought of as a little bit older league too? So does that maybe kind of raise the raise the level, the competitive level? Is that there are a lot of twenty year olds in that league as opposed to the USHL, where you got a lot of eighteen, nineteen year olds? Yeah, I would say so for sure. I agree. I think, um, and and the, you know, in the USHL, you're only allowed four um, four age outs, and and in the Null, you can have as many as you want, really. Uh, there's no limit to how many 20 year olds you can have on your team. So that yeah, factor too can definitely play, uh, play in um, just having, you know, some older guys in the locker room and, you know, playing against older guys can be um, tough sometimes, but um, you know, I think it's also um, a good thing as well to get, um, you know, get to hear, um, you know, some advice from older guys and their experiences playing hockey and, and, you know, playing against them too, makes you better. If you're playing against older guys all the time, it's, you know, obviously harder and, um, so it has, you know, it has its pros and cons with it for sure. So as a guy who got to spend an entire season in the Eastern Conference, and now you've spent a season or more-ish in the Western Conference, maybe you can help us settle once and for all the differences between, is the Western Conference really that much more physical and grindy than than what the Western, or I'm sorry, than what the Eastern Conference is? Um, I mean, honestly, there's, there's not a huge difference. Um, I mean, when I was in the Eastern Conference, obviously I was 16, so I didn't really play that much of a physical game. Like, you know, I, I probably should have, um, you know, back then. Um, but now I definitely, I definitely incorporated more physicality in my, into my game now, you know, being 18 and getting stronger. And, you know, obviously in, in the, in the West, there's, you know, every team hits and every team's physical and they're going to be coming at you, you know, every night. Um, so I wouldn't say there's, you know, there's really too much, too much of a difference. But um, if there, if I had to say that there'd be one, it'd definitely be the physicality just a little bit. But other than that, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty same. And all the teams are, you know, pretty similar around the league, I'd say. 
Gene, you hit him with the easy question there. Which one was the uh, the tougher style of play? I thought you were going to hit him with the harder one. Which uh, which has the better podcast, the Eastern Conference or the uh, the Western with our? Show? But we all know the answer to that. So oh yeah, that's that's not even a question to be asked. Here. Have you have you ever been know. on their show, or have you met Sam and Justin at all? I haven't. I haven't. My uh, my dad is uh, when I was on Youngstown, he tuned into some of their podcasts before, and I think he actually might have met him um, when he came and visited me up there, but. Um, definitely, definitely enjoy Thunderstruck a lot more for sure. Attaboy. <laughs> yeah. They're good peeps. They're good peeps. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, so speaking of physicality, what, uh, what was the feeling in the locker room post Saturday night? That was as close to old school Lincoln Omaha hockey from the mid to late 1990s into the mid like 2005 that we've seen for a while at the icebox what the what what was the overall holy cow did that just happen in the locker room? what was going on down there with the conversation yeah we were all fired up after that um obviously you know Yavash dropping the gloves skating the center ice dodging the refs to try to get to you know the Omaha player that was a sight to see definitely really um really entertaining for the fans I think I think they you know it was a blast and um, you know, Sambuco's fight too, and uh, Olsen getting the, the the crowd hyped up. I think that was, you know, great for you know, great for the Stars fans, and it was definitely definitely fun for us to see see our our boys out there um, dropping the gloves for us. But yeah, when we got back in that locker room, we were all fired up, and we were you know dancing around and jumping up and down. It was um, it was definitely a fun moment, I think, for us to have that as a team to you know really uh, come away with a big win, and also you know kind of beat them up a little bit too. Just adds a little as well salt to the wound, um, you know, and I think that's, uh, I think that's a good thing for us moving forward here. Take us on the bench a little bit during that third period when, when all the shen- shenanigans kind of started, what was the mood like on the bench? And could you tell that the, uh, that, uh, stuff was just going to pop off? Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I think after we scored our fifth goal, we were, you know, all there's, you know, not, not too much time left on the clock. I think we were all, uh, you know, uh, not taking anything for granted, but we kind of knew what in what direction the game was going, and um, and you know when those fights had started happening, like we were all just we were just having fun, like we were just smiling, laughing, um, just having a great time out there, just a blast. It was definitely a definitely. I won't remember having three three fights in one game, and especially the way that they happened, it was definitely a, a sight to see for sure. So Larry, let me ask you, uh, I want to take you in a little bit different direction now. One of the things that, that we talk, commented on on this podcast throughout the year is that when you guys are really dialed in defensively and when you're more physical, you seem to be more successful. Brandon and I were talking earlier before we actually started recording, haven't even touched on this yet, and I certainly don't want to jinx this so we need to put like some anti-mojo on or something but i don't think you guys have given up a goal in your last 29 penalty kills plus you've scored i don't even know how many shorties in that time and you're a big part of the the pk unit just what you know what's the mentality of that unit yeah i think our i think our pk is you know obviously really strong i'm if I'm not mistaken, I think we're uh, we're best in the league right now, so that's you know really cool and rewarding to see for us. But um, you know, obviously on the PK, um, I think we're really disciplined, um, and obviously you know defense is first. You want to you know make sure you get the puck down and don't do anything too stupid out there. But um, 
you know, and Rocky talks to us all the time about it. Me and Brennan, um, Ali, especially, we go out together a lot on the PK. And, um, you know, he says, like, if there's, if there's opportunities to look for offense, like, you know, look for it. Like, why not? Let's go take it. And we're a you know, fast transition team, and we like to, you know, create scoring opportunities off the rush. And if we can do that on the PK, that's, you know, that's a plus. It's even better. And obviously, we've, you know, we've connected a few times on the PK this year, and um, it's worked out for us. So we're, you know, pretty fortunate for that. But, um, I think we just have a really good, uh, really good PK lineup. We have, you know, three really good pairs that, you know, we rotate with and, um, you know, Rocky has a lot of trust in all the guys he puts, puts out there to kill those stones off. Sorry, he killed those stones off. And, um, I think that, you know, when you have that trust and trust with him and us and the players and we, you know, trust him back to, you know, do the, do the right thing on the PK, but also look for some offense. I think that, um, you know, can go to show like why we have the best PK in the league. Okay. I've got, I've got, I don't know if Brandon has any more for you, but I have one more personal question before we get back to talking about the, the waning moments of the season. So BA, you have anything before I ask those two questions? No, go for it. Okay. So first off, uh, I showed you a picture earlier, earlier this, Oh, back in January where my kid actually got to go, play on the home ice of the future home of Jack Larrigan. So how excited are you to fly the golden dome and join former, you know, uh, Jake Boltman and, uh, Michael Detmaster Domenico there in South Bend. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'm super, I'm super thrilled about that. And, you know, just so grateful to have the opportunity to go to a school like Notre Dame. Um, it's, you know, it was definitely a school that, um, when I was kind of going through the recruiting process, um, and it was, you know, up there in the list and I've always kind of wanted to, um, you know, like imagine myself as a little kid playing at Notre Dame. There's, you know, some pictures of me when I'm, you know, younger, like five, six years old wearing Notre Dame shirts. And it's always just been kind of up there for one of my schools. And, um, and, you know, even just going up there for my official visit last, last year. And I think, uh, in November it was, um, I went up there with, Henry Nelson and Ian and Michael Master Dominico. And we had a, we had a great time in our official visit and met some of the players. Um, they were all awesome. Just, you know, really welcoming, really supportive and, you know, just nice genuine guys. And, um, it's definitely something that I'm look, looking forward to. Um, but you know, right now it's definitely just focusing on the, the rest of the season and what we have to get, you know, what we have to take care of here and, you know, going to the Clark Cup playoffs for sure. You mentioned your, okay. your, your your recruiting uh, visit up there. We've all heard the stories about football recruiting trips and basketball recruiting trips. What's a hockey recruiting trip like? Um, yeah, I think it, I think it maybe and uh, maybe varies from school to school. Um, but we had we had a really fun time. We um, we were walking around campus the first night. Uh, we got picked up by uh, Coach Flagger, the assistant coach there. Um, we all all three of us got picked up. We um, went to um we went right outside uh that Notre Dame church right there and there was um um a, the band playing and a huge crowd and uh the, the night before every uh home football game uh the, the band comes out at midnight I think and uh they like you know play some songs and do some chants and there's a huge crowd and you know the crowd sings along so that was you know kind of my first taste of uh you know being on campus and that school spirit that you know was so uh so loud at Notre Dame and that was really cool for us to experience that together, me, Henry and Michael. So that was really fun. And, you know, we ended up just going to the football game. Um, we got a tour of the locker room. Um, we, uh, just, 
had some had some fun with the the boys too that are on the team. Um, they took us out on a, for a good time um, at night and uh, kind of just you know chilled out and um, we were there for a night and you know we came back in the morning. Um, took a uh, we got in a, a fur car to uh, Chicago O'Hare and then we were back in Lincoln before we knew it. But it was definitely a a really fun time that uh you know I'll definitely remember the rest of my life. Okay, so my last question for you, Larry, before we let you go, is you got 11 games on the season left, six of them at home, five on the road, but more importantly, with the exception of a home-at-home with Omaha the first uh, April 7th and 8th, everybody else you play are people that are immediately around you in the standings. You're starting with Sioux City this weekend, who's just behind Tri-City, but you got Tri-City, I think, twice. You got Fargo twice. You got Waterloo twice. I actually might have Tri-City. You know, we played them 83 times at the beginning of the year, so I think we play them like four times in the last 11 again, something yeah. like that. What's uh, What kind of mentality do the boys need to take with them into the into the home stretch of the season? 11 games left with uh, nine of them against with, with standings implications to them. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we have to, to keep doing what we're doing. Um, you know, something that we talk about in the locker room a lot is, you know, we were never arriving, we never arrived. And, and that basically means that, you know, you never, you never get to your destination. You can always, you know, go higher, climb higher, get better. And I think that's something that, you know, we've been taking, taking to heart the past couple of weeks. And I think it's been, you know, shown in our, in our outcomes in the games, we've been, we've been winning and, you know, playing really well as a, as a, as a whole core. So I think just, you know, focusing on what we need to do instead of, you know, looking at those teams that are that are close to us, not paying attention to them, just worrying about what, you know, so like just locking in all of our power into what we need to do and what we need to put out there on the ice to be successful. There you have it. Um, as as requested multiple times and a season's worth of worth the wait as far as I'm concerned. Jack Larry, and thanks for joining us and let's go get four more points against the Muskies this weekend, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you. Need a windshield for your everyday driver? Call Waverly Glass Company. Need a windshield for your hot rod? Call Waverly Glass Company. Need a windshield for your old school classic car? Call Waverly Glass Company. See their new shop, Waverly Glass, now open at 1400 Cornhusker Highway. We do good work. Not all car problems are mechanical. These days, the source of your car trouble might be a computer issue. Southside Auto Tech has kept up with technology for 25 years with ASE certified technicians and the latest factory diagnostic equipment. From your dashboard to your transmission, Southside Southside Auto Tech has the tools and the know-how to fix the problem, whether it's mechanical or technical. Southside Auto Tech, just south of 48th and Highway 2 on Rentworth Drive. Southside Auto Tech, mystery sound. Hey, Stars fans. Head to the App Store on your smartphone to download the official Lincoln Stars hockey app, powered by True North Technologies. Get instant access to our roster, schedule, radio feed, and more right on your home screen. Thank you, True North Technologies, and let's go Stars. The Dump and Chase podcast is the unofficial fan podcast of the Youngstown Phantoms, but it's not always about hockey. Have you ever played golf? No, uh, you should see me on the driving range. It's scary. I, I haven't played in a few years, but I think the last time I played, I shot like an 83. On 9 or 18? On 9. Still not bad compared to me. Yeah. I mean, it would have been 80, but the windmill kept getting in the way. The Dump and Chase podcast, every Wednesday at 5.06 on Western Reserve Radio. With only six more Stars home games remaining in the regular season, time is running out to catch all the excitement of a hockey game at the Icebox. 
Lincoln hosts the Sioux City Musketeers on Friday, March 24th at 7.05 p.m. for Aubrey Brown Club Night. Stick around after because the Stars' specialty jerseys for the evening will be auctioned off after the game. Get your tickets now at LincolnStars.com or by calling 402-474-7827. All right, welcome back to Thunderstruck, your unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. That was Jack Larrigan on the phone with us. Uh, man, it sounds like those recruiting trips are a lot of fun up there uh, in Notre Dame, Gene. Uh, yeah. Did you, did you ever go on any recruiting trips when you were in school? Any baseball trips or nope. anything like that? I only wanted to play one place, and um, I was just recruited as a walk-on, so I didn't really get much in the way of recruiting. I just recruited myself and showed up, but... Um, no, and I don't think it was that way back in back in the mid '80s. Anyway, were you even born yet then? By the way, uh, I was born in the early '80s, but yeah, so not the mid '80s. <laughs> I was uh, still uh, probably peeing my pants in the mid '80s. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I hope I wasn't since I was about to graduate. But who knows? Hey, some of those nights, you know, those high school parties, you know, those drunken nights, it still could have happened. Yeah, but though I, I I grew up in a time where if you played sports, you don't you. In small town, you weren't really out doing that, or at least in my small town. So you're telling you me, you're telling me the movies like Days and Confused, where you know you you're in a small town, you're playing sports, you you weren't the kings of the school and could do whatever you wanted, and Varsity Blues lied to us. Well, that was more '90s, right? So, well, Varsity Blues uh, was, but Days and Confused took place in the '70s, so. Yeah, true. Well, I'm not. I'll tell you that in Stromsburg, Nebraska, that's not the way it was, but that doesn't mean it wasn't that way other places. Fair enough. Maybe in Don- maybe in Donovan it was. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I was out of the, out of that town by the time I hit high school. So, anyways, I'm pretty sure if I was still in high school there, I would have dominated that place. Though, just saying. Yep. There you go. Anyways, you go. stars are uh, home and home series. You know, I did not know we had home home series. I thought both games were on the road. Kind of looked at the schedule a little bit. I'm like, all right, you know, I Saturday night I'm going to make the trip up to Sioux City. I think. Uh, definitely couldn't make it up there Friday, but lo and behold, the second look at the uh, the schedule, we're playing at home on Friday night against those Sioux City Musketeers. So you mentioned it earlier, four points off for grabs. We need three to lock ourselves in the playoffs. I think it'd be done this weekend. Let's do it. Let's do it. And the other thing about it is, as you said, home and home, with the exception of Tri-City coming in on March 29th for the 11 o'clock in the morning game, Every single other matchup we have is, if not a home and home, it's a back and back because we play Sioux City home and home. Then we play that that game at eleven o'clock in the morning on the 29th. Then we're at home for a double dip against Waterloo. Then we have a home and home against Omaha. Then we're on in Fargo for a pair, and then we finish home and home with Tri City. And so we're gonna, you know, there's there's a lot of ground to be made or lost. It it is. It is time to either build, let's just say it's a good, a good time to build confidence. That it is. Speaking of building confidence, that we haven't kind of touched into it a little bit. Uh, we had on Saturday night, we had the uh, jersey auction for the Epilepsy Foundation. Your boy, Sambuco, I believe he was the, uh, the highest jersey going out there. What, $2,700? Yeah, $2,700, 2900 something like that. Had a couple people. You know, he is just such a good kid. That, that is no comment on anybody else on this team. But, you know, the, the time that that kid has put into developing relationships across the community, you know, he's befriended a, 
a a guy he used to take ice baths every Thursday before games and uh the, the clerk at the local Casey's that was selling ice to him who uh, has had a bit of a of a checkered past he's he's become friends with that he's got uh all sorts of these you know younger kids in the community that that he just spends a lot of time invests a lot of time in he's just generally a good dude so nothing against anybody else but it doesn't surprise me to see people out there battling over his jerseys and they'll have another opportunity this weekend because it's another fundraiser uh, for the Aubrey Brown um, is it Aubrey Brown project? I believe it's the Aubrey Brown Brown foundation, but you know, honestly, I do not know a whole lot about this foundation. I kind of just kind of glanced at it a little bit, but I believe you kind of looked into it a little bit more earlier today. I did. And it just absolutely breaks my heart. So I would encourage everybody in stars nation uh, to get out there, and even though there was a jersey auction last week, uh, to get out there Friday night. And uh, Aubrey Brown was the daughter of, I believe, uh, it, it's Curtis Brown, the Stars skills coach. Yeah, I believe so. And his, his wife, Amy, uh, lost their infant daughter to sudden infant death syndrome. Um, and so they have created this foundation to help try to surround and support uh, kids or families who have lost kids. And so what a, you know, another very, very worthy cause. Uh, so please come on out and support uh, Coach Brown, his family, um, and uh, just on, on the, the loss. I want to say back in the early, early 2000s um, of their daughter, Aubrey, um, to sudden infant death syndrome. Yeah, definitely. And you, you mentioned that we had that Jersey auction earlier, but it's still tax season. Tax returns are coming in still, you know, weekly on a weekly basis. So what a good way to spend those tax return dollars on a, on a good uh, foundation and get yourself a, hey, wait a Lincoln Stars jersey. Wait a minute. Am I supposed to get a tax return? You know, some people do. Me, on the other <laughs> hand. I don't know what I did wrong in my life. That ain't happening. But anyway, there's a lot of people that actually do get a tax return, and uh, it's a good way to spend those dollars. And, and you know what? I believe it's a tax write-off because you're donating to another charity. So, Yeah, I'm going to have to go out and give plasma to, to get my jersey buy-in funds. But, uh, you know, once again, the Aubrey Brown Foundation, what a fantastic cause. Uh, so whether it's giving plasma, tax refunds, or um, whatever the case Hard is. Hard work please. and saving your money for something nice. There you go. There you go. Um, and by the way, before we go, I did, I just briefly mentioned this to Larry, but man, again, I'm going to have to put the anti voodoo mojo hex on what I'm about to say, but can you believe that it's been 29 straight since the stars allowed a goal on the PK? That is nuts. That's unbelievable. Now, I don't know if it counts with the stupid podcast people saying it or if it just counts when, when Joel says it. I'm like, sure you know, I'm sure Joel mentioned it a couple, the first time we're, we're on the PK. Joel, Joel will bring it up. So if it all goes to hell in a handbasket, we're blaming Joel. <laughs> yep. I don't know. Maybe it's, time to, maybe it's time for this one to end and so we can start another one. Um, let's, but let's wait till it's against Omaha. Let's, so we got one, two, three, four, five. We got five more games to go without allowing a power play goal. Hey, I don't want to allow. I don't want Omaha to have a power play goal either. I don't want Omaha to score on us at all. So let's just keep it going to the end of the year. I like that yeah, idea. You know little, I like that idea a little bit better. That sounds well. That sounds good. But I, you know, I if it's going to end. Let's end it in the regular season so that we can go on a roll in the postseason. 
I yeah, well, that yep. works. I like that too. Right on, right on. All right, my man. Well, uh, I've got to miss again on Friday, but I think that's my last time I'm going to be out of, out of town, out of state. The hockey's over, shooting season's over. It's time to buckle up and get ready to ride to the USHL Clark Cup playoffs. Let's do it. Uh, Gene, have fun down in San Antonio. We'll see you back here next week. Uh, enjoy the week. You too. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you at the Icebox on Friday night. Yeah.